Welcome back to Rally DNA for part two of our chat with Ray Sherratt. Enjoy. So when did MCD become RED? I'm guessing at some point in the, the mid to early to mid 80s. Mm. Um. And, and the reason I ask is because I've always loved the uh, the red Sierra, the RED Sierra Four. Oh, the color, the color scheme, yeah, yeah. The turbocharged EG, right? Yeah, the color, the color red was a choice of Jeff, you know, Jeff Fielding, because mm-hmm. all the all the other ones are the same same color, you know, the color red. Um, I'm trying to think of it of a of a well, pretty much six months earlier where it became RED. I mean, I was so so enrolled in just sorting cars out because there was so much going on at the time, you know. I mean, we had, going back to, uh, obviously, we did Harry back in 81, was it? If I remember rightly. Was it 81? 82, I 82. 82, was it? Mm-hmm. We did Roger in in at the deep end in eighty one, with Chris Searle, you know, in for the RAC and that, uh, and of course there was all the stuff that we did in Madeira with Roger and that. Um, eighty two would be Harry, but there was also other things going on at the time. Um, I think. Um, Mark Lovell was doing the Escort Turbo Championship oh, yeah. that was being run, you know. I also the Mark III, the RS Turbo? No, no, the, the championship. They did a, Ford did a Mark III Championship, which had a turbo conversion on the standard car. Mm. And they did a championship with it. The likes of Phil Wilkes and that, people were doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mark also... Um, Use the Escort Turbo, the proper Escort Mark III Turbo. Um, I think he did. A, he had a good result on. Well, what's the? Is it the Zanussi event that they did over there in the day? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, back on the south. Mm-hmm. Southwest Coast um, started there. Uh, oh, God. I do remember reading some some strong results for Mark Lovell in, in Mark Three Escorts, to be fair. <laughs> you know, strong yeah, 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 he had a good result on that. For the first event we did, and it was relatively early in the year, about about February or, or very early March, you know. Um, and we did a couple of other events over there with the circuit and a few other things. But the damn thing kept torque steering and breaking shafts and stuff, you know. <laughs> we went over to do the circuit. The gearboxes um, were assembled by somebody who I won't mention. Uh, and they had to be stripped over there and sorted because the gears were touching the cases and and that you know we worked actually. I'm very grateful to them at Robert Woodside's yard. 
uh, up in the north, you know, Robert Woodside. And I think he actually won the circuit back in about, oh, 62 or three. And I think um, Terry Harriman was with him mm -hmm. on that event, you know, but we used his his yard and he had like a museum there. And we were in the bottom part of the museum, you know. Uh, we also used the same place when we went over to do the circuit with Harry, you know. Um, but as regards the RAD, RED thing, um, Jeff wanted a catchy name for the company. Uh, he actually went to see... Um, Dave Richards... Mm -hmm. from ProDrive before he started ProDrive because obviously Dave was with uh, Cigarette Rothmans, you know, and they were into the advertising side of it, you know, and, and Dave came up with this name, Rally Engineering Development, you know, and that was then obviously known then as RED or whether you want to call it Rally Engineering Development, you know, mm -hmm. and that was the colour scheme that was devised, you know. Um I think the first cars probably to run in that event would have been the 4T, you know. The, the uh, Mercure-bodied Cosy that we built, you know. Oh, was it actually a Mercure from, from America? Well, they were... Or was it an XR4i? XR, XR4i mm. was pretty much a Mercure body. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it was used over in America and called a Mercure, you know. Actually, yeah. what's his name? Raced it over here, didn't he? Uh, Rouse. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He won yeah. the... Rouse. He, he raced the actual Mercure <laughs> car, which had effectively a turbocharged Pinto lump in it, you know. Yeah, wasn't that the 2.3, the, the Lima yeah. engine or whatever it is? Something yeah. like that, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a four-eyed, XR four-eyed body. And um, I'd been speaking to um, John Wheeler from Boreham uh, about building the car, you know, and uh, he said, I think he said it would be a good car because it's a nice, you know, it's a long long wheelbase type car, you know. Um, and I said, well, any, any help would do, John. So... Uh, he got in touch with, excuse me, he got in touch with Cologne and he managed to get hold of a full-size blueprint of the shell for me, which gave me all the dimensions to work off. And I had it on literally stretched across the wall. You know, it was it was huge, I'm thinking. You know, it was all in 100 millimeter squares and you could work off absolutely correct, you know. Um, we'd looked basically using uh, a Granada, an early Granada diff in it. And that, no, that was thrown out because it was too weak. Uh, eventually, I used um, a 4HU diff in it, which is the one mm -hmm. out of the Jag, the independent Jaguar one, you know. That was sort of put underneath the base cross member. Uh, the wishbone cross member on the cosy, you know. Um, it had 
a ZF box. And then that was the first time I think Hoyle built an engine for us. Um, and that was, uh, I might be maligning them because he might have done the odd one for the escorts as well, but I can't remember because there was three escorts in the stable uh, plus the Fiesta and a few other things, you know. But that was a turbocharged uh, BDG, was it? It was a two-litre vacuum-brazed cast-iron two-litre because you two, you cut, you, you, your cast-iron block will not go to two-litre bore. On a 19-wheel bore, what Cosworth did, they bore the whole thing out and they put in liners, then it goes into a vacuum furnace and the braze then melts and then you have a two-litre lump, you know. Effectively, it's pretty much like a Siamese because they're so close together, you know. Mm -hmm. But she was two-litre iron block, BDG, with a great, huge turbocharger on it, you know. <laughs> um, on carburetors, they were carburetors off a Lotus Esprit, the turbo Esprit, you know. They were Weber carburetors. Um, 368 horsepower. Quite a lot of That's lag. Hmm? Quite a lot of lag. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's about a six-pound boost, and that's all we used, six-pound boost. And it would it would pull like a train from three to nine, you know. Was it a peaky thing? I guess it was. It, was it what? Was it very peaky? No, it was just once, obviously, the lag, you did to drive, get the lag over it, once the boost came up, it's quite it linear. From, it would pull from three to nine, you know, and you didn't need that. If you if you change gear at about seven and a half, eight, it, it was plenty, you know. And then, of course, we'd used it with Louise in, that would be 84, uh, over the winter period, 84 into early 85. I converted it to four-wheel drive. I made... Um, I made a steel pattern of a sump that I could use um, a Ferguson four-wheel drive front differential assembly in the sump. The sump was cast locally in Widness by a company. I machined most of it. Uh, it was assembled, the main cross shaft uh went underneath the center main cap you know um we went down to ferguson spoke to them about buying the system which meant that we had to drop the zf box and we used the safari getrag box that was used in the manta opals at the time you know Yes, because there was a there was a, a experimental Ferguson all wheel drive Manta, I believe. For a, a there short was, time. yeah, yeah, and there was an experiment. Well, what didn't Murray Grierson use the Cadet? Yeah, that they made they made a four wheel drive Cadet, you know. Yep. Yeah. Well, we went say we went down to see them, and they supplied us with the four wheel drive system off for the, to go on the back of the box, 
They supplied us with the four-wheel drive front differential assembly. Uh, a year's information if we needed it on any of the system. And it cost us a £1,000 at the time, you know. So that went into it there. And, of course, the original two-wheel drive Sierra, Roger used it first of all. He test drove it and used it as a course car uh, on the Skip Brown. And then when it was four-wheel drive again, he used it on Skip Brown. Um, drove it. I think he was off at number three in that, you know, used it. Um, and then Willie Rutherford drove, took it over and drove it, you know. I was going to say, Willie Rutherford got seemed to sort of get most out of it, didn't he? I believe, was it he came was it second or third overall that year? Oh. I think it was second, I believe. Um, In the championship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had a few teething problems with it because obviously four-wheel drive, there wasn't any hubs at the time at the front to put drive shafts through, you know. So I used, uh, originally the build was Mark III Escort. Um I used Mark III Escort, but I had to modify them. I had to remachine them to give us clearance to actually get the uh, CV joint in, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and also rearrange the way that the bottom joint worked because normally it comes through on a taper with a nut and there was just no nut, nowhere that it was going to go. So eventually I put a split in it and a hole and used a pinch bolt. And then I made bottom arm, bottom TCAs for it um, with a proper ball joint coming up through, you know. Um, different roll bar, made a roll bar for it, you know. I mean, you really were, you know, leading the field in, in that respect. Uh, I've, I've always been interested whether, because at this time, presumably Borum were off doing their own thing, first with the RS1700T and then the RS200. But when that all came to now at the end of 1986, did they yeah. take any more interest in what you'd been doing, you know, in terms of engineering for Sierras for rallying? No, there was nothing. There was nothing, you know. I mean, funnily enough, the uh, full blueprint that I got from John was dated August 82, and that was four-wheel drive, turbocharged. Wow, that's the first year of Sierra production, isn't it, very rightly? Also, Believe it or very not. Very early on. Yeah. Would have been, yeah. Believe it or not, it was four-wheel drive, turbocharged, with a Cosworth lump, right? And the exhaust manifold was exactly the same as the two-wheel drive YB man manifold, because it, it was all there, you know, and that was August 82. God. Talk about ahead of the curve. <laughs> and it, it, it probably took them to what, August, what, 89, 90? What, with the four-wheel drive sapphire? To get the sapphire out, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. But, I mean, you must have been well-placed after the, the 4T had reached the end of its life and and you know the the three door Sierra Cosworth had been homologated to Group A. You guys in RED must have been well placed from what you'd learned running Sierras, even if they were a bit more homebrew. Well yeah, I mean obviously between the 4T when she was four-wheel driving in 85, we went straight on to the metros. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff 
uh, obviously with probably transporting most of the stuff that was coming out of BL at the time, you know. Yeah. He got possibly one of the first four-wheel drive 6R4s out of the factory. And we ran on, we ran that in 85 on the RAC, you know. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we had a problem with, I won't name the wheels that were supplied, but the wheels were wrong. Um, <laughs> the inserts that were fitted and the machining was wrong. And one of them came loose and the wheel fell off in a stage. And, of course, the wheel went down the hill and it didn't come out of the stage, you know. <laughs> I hope they. I hope they, the, the, the wheel actually did bounce off in, in full comedic fashion, rolling away. <laughs> well, it, the thing was that the inserts had bedded themselves in, shall we say, on a, on a, on a shoulder that shouldn't have been machined there, you know. And uh, the wheel came off, and it just literally rolled down the hill, you know. And that was it. Rear wheel came off, and you know, it stopped. Um, Did you run a Metro Six R Four for Roger Clark with Golden Wonder sponsorship around this time? No, that was uh, Ken Wood, wasn't it? Uh, Ken, 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 Ken. Yeah, Ken. Ken. Yeah, Ken Wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotland, yeah. The Astra 4S belt later on as well. Mm. I don't, I don't, I can't remember yeah. that. I know, we, I know, we had the the six R four, you know, the Golden Wonder six R four. And what did you make of the metros when you kept coming away from years with Mark twos and Mark ones and and the Sierra? The Metro must have been quite a different beast, or was it as, as different as it would appear on the surface? You know, big naturally well, I mean, aspirated V six and four wheel drive. I'd. Um... I'd thought of the Metro as being uh, a car not built by a factory, but by somebody who knew what they were doing, you know. Um, Obviously, it was Williams that did a lot of the design work on it, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had good, good machining people doing the transmission and such, which was Jack Knight, he did. He did that side of it, you know. It had German German components in the synchro mesh boxes, which was the standard box they fitted. Uh, the international spec went to a dog a dog box, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they were put together by the factory, but a lot of them probably were put together by people who didn't know really what they were doing. Um. A lot of them, well, certainly the ones that we received, uh, again, this was a machining problem whereby the main pin that comes out, the swivel pin that comes out the bottom of the of the upright at the front uh, has got a nice large radius on it where the ball joint, the rose ball joint goes, the hemi joint goes into. The problem is... The hemi joint doesn't have a chamfer on it. It's got a nice square edge. And when the lads were building them, they put the nut on the bottom and tightened it up probably with a whizzer. And it promptly split the joint, split the ball literally open. So if it went on both sides, they didn't have power steering. It was just a standard rack, you know, looked like an imp rack, you know. Um, 
the steering was so damn heavy, you know. And then also in the front diff, they built them with the the ramp angles the wrong way around. So the the, the things just used to lock up. They were they were awfully built, you know. Because when you build a rally car, the whole thing is stripped totally back to a shell, and and you start again, you know. But they were a very interesting project, you know. They were a bit a bit nooty to build. Um, especially the fuel tanks, they were a bit awkward to get in, you know, folding this bag tank up to this little egg-shaped hole at the top, you know. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed running them, you know, thoroughly enjoyed running them. I, I met um, oh, Wynn Mitchell, who was originally I'd met Wynn back in the, the Roots days, you know, he worked at, at Roots. <laughs> and Wynn was... Basically, the main engineer down at uh, BL for the 6R4, you know, um, mainly on the transmission side, worked well with Win on the transmission on the transmission side, working with ramp angles and such, you know, for the diffs. Um, I think it was probably me that was pushing for the removable bell housing so that the gearbox could be changed without having to take everything off it, the bell housing complete, you know. Um, no, I, I thoroughly, enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed working with it, you know. Thoroughly enjoyed. And, of course, we had, uh, I think, we, well, we had we had David's, um, we had Harry's, we had Didier's, uh, and we also had one for... Um, Mm. It's terrible when you're getting old, your bloody memory goes. Um, oh, Willie, Willie Rutherford. Mm -hmm. so we, and also we had Jeff's in the, the, so we had five in the stable at the time, you know, plus about four body shells on top of a 40-foot container outside with all the spares in, you know, and that. It must have been fun working with Didier Oriel at that point. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean... You've got to really put your heart out to poor old John Millington. You know, John was working for us, you know, and uh, John was sent out to France to look after the practice car, which was effectively a standard, slightly modified 6R4 in the colours, the 33 export colours, you know. And, of course, Didier and Bernard didn't really speak a large amount of English. And, <laughs> um, John spoke what you would probably say Yanglish, you know, <laughs> a little bit of Yorkshire French and Yorkshire English and that, you know, and he had a phrase book that they were pointing to various things at, you know. Um, it was, I don't know, like a, a fledgling sort of thing, you know, but it, it grew and it grew very quickly, you know. They John got to know the crew very well. They got to know John very well. Uh of course we went straight over after winning the circuit with David. Uh we celebrated and we were on a flight straight out to do the first event for, for Didier, you know. Which unfortunately he, he didn't finish because we had a, I think it was a, 
uh, rotor breakup in the dizzy cap or something, you know. Um, but after that, of course, you know, it 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 went better and better and better. And eventually we, although on the last event we had a, the only problem we had with a, with a hub, we had a hub fracture and the hub and the wheel came off. I mean, it's, it's, it's well known on YouTube what happened. Uh, he finished, he finished ninth on the event, but overall, because on count back, he actually won the championship, you know, and that was his first French rally championship, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, did, did, did he ever try and get you guys to convert the Metro to left-hand drive? It I did. Like... I, I converted it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I've seen pictures of it in right-hand drive still. but Yeah, well, up, up until the event prior to um, Mont Blanc, mm. it was right-hand drive. And he said, you know, he said, I, I'd like all the, well, all the time he said, I'd, I'd like it, excuse me, in left-hand drive, you know. But there wasn't really the components around early on to do it, you know. I mean, the, the steering rack was a high-ratio hydraulic rack, power rack, out of an Astra. That's what was used, you know. Uh, of course, you need a different rack. You need a left-hand drive hydraulic High ratio Astra rack to do the conversion. So anyway, we did, we did the the last event prior to Mont Blanc, which he won, and I basically said to the management, I said, "Wouldn't it be nice to convert it for him? Don't tell him, and we take the car over, and he's got the left hand drive car that he wanted, you know." And of course, he finished the championship with that car, you know, which is now in this country with. Uh, Ian Donaldson, you know. <clears throat> what heck of a car, that. And I think seldom has a 6R4 looked better than Didier's livery. Really oh, I've had... Origin. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've had... I've had arguments on the sites about which is the best-looking car. Someone said Gollop's car. Well, you've got to look at that, and it's, it's, it's dark and drab, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can't have a better look in the... The livery that's on that red car, you know. Yeah, suited to Sierra as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, though, you you, uh, you come on to the Sierra. I mean, that was originally in six R four colors. It, sorry, in the thirty three export colors. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, the advertising of alcohol was banned in France after. Uh, 87. Was oh, it that early? That's why, no. that's why it went to Panache, mm -hmm. which was a light green color with a, a Panache label on the car, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, um, basically a shandy that was manufactured by 33 Export, you know. So, so you could advertise shandy, but not beer, you could advertise shandy <laughs> with a bit of alcohol. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Fantastic. Um, so when was it you moved over to the, the Group A Sierra? Would that be 87? 87, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we did, we were looking back in late 86 and we actually 
Peter Katanak and I went over to the Lancia factory to look at um, getting hold of a Delta, you know. Uh, factory, obviously, very, very impressive. Um, we were shown around the dino rooms. Uh, they had six dino rooms there, you know, and because uh, it was the the old Abarth factory that the actual team were operating from, you know. Uh, all the composites they were using were made by Aerospatial, the helicopter company, you know, which was obviously owned by Fiat, Lancia, whoever they are, you know. Um, and we were promised this, we were promised that, so we actually got hold of a, a Delta <clears throat> and we put a cage in it and we were waiting and waiting and waiting for Jim to do the Mintex in it and nothing arrived. So we were basically stuck with a pretty much a standard Delta that Jim used on the event. Uh, obviously didn't do a great deal with it and uh, that was the decision then, well, okay, we're going with the Cosworth for Jim, you know. So he just did in a standard eight-valve Delta then, was it? Basically a standard eight-valve Delta, yeah, with a cage in it. I guess... Um... Lancia had quite a few people trying to beat a path to their door at that point for Deltas. Um, I would have thought so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, obviously, because we're, we were not either Italian or German or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you needed, needed to have paid them a little bit extra just to get to the top of the queue. <laughs> well, the manager certainly didn't take any uh, folding out with him, you know. So, was that uh, Cesare Fiorio, Was it? Yes. Say no more. Yes, yes. Somebody you really don't want to get close to, as well, you know. <laughs> I have heard some stories. Mm, it wasn't very nice. Mm. So you guys went for the the Borum built Group A Sierras, then, so. You you weren't building these cars then at this time. You were getting them direct from Borum, or were you building no, them no, in house? No, no, no. I would never get anything direct. The only car that Borum ever built was BKP, and that was on loan to Sutton, and obviously rebuilt by Sutton. It was never built by Sutton. It was built by the factory. You know, it was loan loan on Sutton's contract sort of thing. You know, I was. Fortunate enough, many years ago, to be able to interview Jimmy McRae uh, about his three-door RED-built Sierra. And he uh, relayed a story, which I've heard relayed a few times, about various different Sierra rally cars, that mm. it was bought from Borum and then driven up to RED, left outside, and then subsequently taken and stolen and used to ram-raid a TV shop. Is there any truth in this story, or is it? No, just... I, I certainly don't remember that. No, because <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy relayed it, and he said there was a you know a small dent in the back of the whale tail where where it had been used to reverse into the back of a TV shop or something. Oh, I think that's that's probably one of the offs that Jim's had. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they were built. Uh, they were built basically from standard shells, not complete cars. Standard shell, you know, um, because obviously all, 
half the stuff that's in a standard shell you're chucking out anyway, you know, and then built from components that were either converted or supplied by Borum, you know. Um, Hoyle did the engines. Uh, I did the transmissions. I, Well, I did the transmissions on all the stuff that we had, the, right through everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the Metro days, I, a lad I used to know around here, mechanic, was interested in a job there, and I brought him in. I had him doing the transmissions. Uh, it got quite busy, so we had another lad there called Chalky Bob. Uh, Chalky was doing transmissions for us, and um, the other lad was driving the trucks at the time because he had HGV license, you know. So he would take, like, the 6R4s over on the truck and Chalky Bob would be doing transmissions and that, you know. Uh, all the other stuff from the Cozzies, we were doing in-house. Um, the only thing we didn't do in-house uh, was done by FFs, which was the uh, the differential versus coupling, you know. Mm-hmm. That was done by them. We did the, the gearboxes. Uh, the gearbox was a, a long shafted first motion shaft get track box. The factory supplied um, prop shafts as well. And strange thing about those is the prop shaft flange on the back of the box was for a, a Lobro joint. And the joint at the back for the for the differential was a, a normal cross-type joint, you know. Well, it mechanically doesn't work. It, it's just wrong. Anyway, yeah. I was told, well, fit it and we'll see. So we fitted it. I took it down the road and I couldn't believe the vibration that was happening, you know. And this was getting close to close to the event, the, the, mint, the first Mintex coming up, you know. I said to Peter Katlanak at the time, I said, you can't use this. I spoke to um, Mike Endine, who was the original, obviously, extract man. I'd I'd known Mike for donkey's years, you know. And I asked him, I said, if I send you some uh, Ford rear diff flanges, will you re-spline them to suit this Lobro flange that I'll send down for you? Oh, no problem. He said, no problem. So I ordered 10 from our local Ford dealer. They came within two or three days. Um, I sent them down to Mike. He re- uh, re-splined them for me. We put those on the gearbox, which was a normal four-bolt back end, same as the diff. We had the prop shafts modified, and that sorted the whole problem out, you know. I never understand why they would put a low row and a cross in, you know. It's just crazy, crazy. <clears throat> what was it like um, working with uh, Jimmy and Colin McRae in this period? Because um, they both did quite good things with REDC errors, didn't they, in the late 80s? They did, yeah. Um, Jimmy, typical of... A very professional driver, you know, 
very calm, no real panics. Things happened in the day. Things went wrong. We got through it. You know, we won championships. Um, first time out on the circuit with it, you know. He won seven of those in total, didn't he, I believe? Seven circuit yeah. of violence, something incredible, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Colin got his first national championship in one of those Sierras, didn't he? Got who? Colin got one of his first national championship in the Sierra. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There was so much, there was so much going on there. You know, it, it, it's just, it's in here, but it's trying to get it out. You know, it, 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 it's mind-blowing, you know, the amount of, of work that was done really over over 10 years, you know. Is is there any truth in the story that you once changed a head gasket on Collins Nova while at a party at their house? <laughs> it's quite possible. It's quite possible. I've been up there several times, you know, and... I, I don't know. Maybe I don't. I can't say for sure, but it's quite possible. It, it was said. It was said to me by, by someone that that uh, that you did yeah once once do that well at a party. So yeah, maybe it was a good party. That's what you can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is quite possible. I mean, if it was if it was to be done, it was to be done. Uh, when I left Red, I did uh, a little bit of mercenary work for Sutton at the time. Uh, I went over to, um, what was I? I went over to Cyprus, uh, then went to the Lebanon. Uh, this was for, um, what was the Middle East, one of the Middle East champions, mm -hmm. uh, Mandu Kayat. Lebanon would have been pretty hairy in those days. Still. <laughs> is, is that too tame a term? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the there is it. It was you might know called uh, the Monte Carlo of the Middle East at one time because it mm. was a beautiful place. You know, literally. You know, there's there's a beautiful. Or there was a beautiful eight-lane motorway along the coast. Steel bridges over it, and you wouldn't believe the size of the shell holes through this steel bridge. You know, there's. Fortunately, I was driving uh, Sutton's uh, Ford Rancho, is it, or something like that, in the days. Big four-wheel drive thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm driving along this motorway, and literally, there's no central reservation. It's four lanes one way, four lanes t'other. But the way they do it, it's eight lanes in either direction, right? And I'm driving along, and I'm looking in front, and I could see this hole in the middle of the motorway. And it's a cover for something, but the cover isn't there. And it's about four foot in diameter. <clears throat> Literally, I just straddled it. <laughs> Don't put it in the memory banks, that's where it is. Remember next time, you know. It's an impromptu uh, inspection pit. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but you were going about head gaskets. I actually did a head gasket um, 
some of the crew were out on recce with them and the recce car had blown a head gasket and that was a, a whale tail, two-wheel two drive whale tail, you know, blown a head gasket. So uh, I had really had arrived and I had, didn't have a great deal to do. So I got my tools out, took the head off it, uh, spoke to somebody in reception. This chap arrived on a motorbike. He sort of said, jump on the back and I'll take you to this shop. And it was like an accessory shop. And they had a head gasket set for a two-liter pin, normal two-liter Pinto. So I thought, well, that'll do. So I put that on it, got it going, and they were able to continue with the wrecking with that, you know. Um, but the the actual servicing of it was, in, was very, very interesting. Uh, most of the distance was done at night. There were quite a few uh syrian uh army posts around the place and we were warned at the briefing prior to the event that if you come up to one of these syrian posts and you've got to go through it you drive up to it slowly you show this piece of paper and then you continue get your piece of paper and continue anyway i was with John O'Connor, Jai was driving, John was navigating, and we came up this road, pitch black, and he said, you're looking for, there was a hairpin, he said, you're looking for a road on the right. And of course, we're on the right-hand side of the road, and I'm looking round the corner, and I couldn't see this gravel hairpin. And as I come round the corner, there was a Syrian post right in front of us. John said, oh, hang on, he said, you'll have to back up. So I stopped and I went to back up. Next minute, there was a crack <laughs> and a bullet whistled over the top of the Bronco, you know. I said, well, no, we've got to carry on. So we carried on. We came up to the post. I dropped the window. I handed the piece of paper to the chap. He looked at me. I mean, the, <laughs> the gun was there pointing at me. And he just waved his finger, literally waved his finger at me. Don't do it again, you know. <laughs> so we had to go through the post, come back round, stop again, give him the paper, and then find the slot and carry on, you know. That was up into, we'd come along the, the Becker Valley, the Becker Valley, you know, and that's a beautiful place to too. There's obviously mountains on one side, on the um, the Mediterranean side, and then you've got the mountains where Syria is, you know, and down the middle you've got the Bekar Valley, and it's just green, beautiful place, you know. And then of course we were up into the, up into the cedar trees, up into the in the mountains to to come over the top to the next service and that, you know. Going back to to the McCrays briefly, is it yeah. true that you're the one who welded the gate lock, the door lock, onto Colin McCray's sapphire? In 1990. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we started running Colin in a Group 1 car, you know, a Group N car. Mm. Um, and there was all sorts of tales about, oh, you know, they're pretty fat, pretty fragile and God knows what else. So my interpretation of the rules was okay. 
you can't modify them in any way, really, that you can't see. So I took the whole, we got a car, I took the whole lot to bits, set it up to the suspension that I needed, rear toe, various things, front toe, front camber, but it was altered with heat and it was heat treated to make it 30% stronger. And in nothing sleep, you know, beat the shit out of it. If you like. <laughs> it stood it, you know, but the problem was it was too fast because it's all standard equipment. Big long gears. Mile an hour top speed. And that's when he crashed it on the Welsh. You know, he was mm. trying to keep up with Jim in times. The A car is quick out the corners. It's got a very, very similar horsepower, probably more, but similar horsepower. But it's quicker out the corners because you're running a 5-1 diff, you know. Yeah, sure. Top of fifth in a Group N car is going to be 150 mile an hour in one of those. Mile an hour. And he must have been doing 150 mile an hour, 140 mile an hour when he put it off. You know? <clears throat> it certainly looks pretty secondhand in the photos you see. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he was, in actual fact, he was a very... I, I sat him in, in, in the Forest of A when we first, first ran him when the car went... He first tested the car. And he was so calm in the car. It was like being driven on a, a Sunday drive in the forest. I've driven, I've, I've tested with a lot of people, and a lot of them, to my mind, they're moving the steering wheel too much because you're upsetting the tyres at the front, mm. the grip at the front. You don't need all this shifting, shifting, you know. It's got to be nice and cool, calm, like as if you were racing. On a circuit, you know, you obviously got to move it a bit quick if the thing gets out of line a bit, you know. But you see a lot of them soaring at the wheel, you know. Which, to my mind, it, it's not the way to do it, you know. Fantastic. And from then, did you have a spell on Salika GT4s? Yes. Not true. Yeah. Onto the ST165s. Yeah, we were a. Uh, approached by um, not David Lapworth because that was program. I'm trying to remember Sutton. No, 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 no. He was a motorsport manager at Toyota at the time. Um, David again, but I can't remember the name. We were approached anyway to build one. Uh, for Jim, you know, <clears throat> and this would be about, I suppose, uh, May, maybe of uh, 89, wouldn't it? Yeah, 89. And we received the shell and various parts and things. I went over to the factory. Um, 
had a good look around there. They were very, very helpful, on, unlike Lancia. Um, we received a lot of parts. Of course, Jim didn't want it left and drive. They had obviously developed um, a high ratio rack left and drive, power rack left and drive for it. Um, was this TTE you were talking to at the time, was it? TTE, yeah, yeah. Um, most with it being a, a high ratio power rack, it's totally different to a standard rack. You can't you can't take the the rack and pinion out of a standard rack and expect the thing to be strong. Because to make it high ratio, you've got to make a bigger diameter pinion, and to do that, you've got to take material off the rack, so the rack then becomes thinner and and weaker. But what you have to do is you make a new casting using the, the base tubes and various things. You make your new rack and pinion, and your new casting is machined offset. So as it offsets the pinion to make the rack stronger. Of course, they had a left-hand drive, but they didn't have right-hand drive. Uh, I said, well, have you got the left-hand drive blueprint? And I can make one from that. So they let me have the left and drive blueprint. I had it mirror imaged. I had people do various patterns and castings for me, had it machined, built the rack myself, built several spurs. Of course, then we had a high ratio right hand drive rack for it, you know. TTE supplied all the parts, very, very good parts. I've I've got Still got a fair amount of parts and things for it here, you know. Um, a lot of trick stuff as well uh, within the regulations, you know. Um, most of it made in Germany, um, trick bolts and things. Uh, it went went together. Um, I'm trying to think of the. The gentleman that built it, built the engine, uh, X, X Miniman actually, X, uh, what would it be? It would be eight port aluminium mini heads that he made back in the day. Um, place south of Birmingham where his place was out in the sticks you know interesting workshop uh right next to where he sat at his office the diner was just there you know at the side of the side of the building um they built the engine um obviously it was extract transmission and things the fact it had odd problems with the transmission in as much as uh casings were cracking in different places um, it also had crankshafts break as well. And of course, Group A, you're not allowed to change the crank, you know. They did sort that problem out. Um, we did the first event, which was the Audi Sport with Jim and Rob. Um, he was getting used to the car. Uh, we had a, a service in Newtown, I believe, and a car park there. Took the guard off it, had a good, good look round. And um, there was quite a severe crack at the bottom of the bellows. And, and 
as the fact they'd had the factory had, had a lot of cracking problems in testing, I decided when I asked the management at the time, I think we should pull out just to show them, you know, this is a problem and it's got to be sorted prior to the RAC, you know. So Jim was in agreement with it, you know, the car's got to be reliable for the RAC. So we pulled out and the car was redone for the RAC. I'd been down to see the engine builder, um, noticed that on the bench, nice blue sheets out with the mains and the shells and various things set up, you know. And uh, it was one of these typical modern engine where they the shell is a plain shell in the main bearing housing, in the, the cap, you know. Anyway, the engine was built. It was dynoed. I have the figures. I've still got the figures here for it. At the time then, we were running 20% uh, toluene in the Lovely. engine to stop the detonation, you know. Because mm -hmm. um, obviously fuel has got, well, at the time, had toluene in it anyway. Mm -hmm. And if it was tested, it would just, you know, show up as toluene, you know. Um, the engine was tested. It was fitted. Uh, it was a cold event, uh, obviously from Harrogate. We came to start it to take it to scrutineering the first morning, and uh, it wouldn't start. Now, the engine had been dynoed, and the management system had been dynoed with a start temperature of whatever the room was. So the ECU didn't recognize a temperature low below, below the start temperature that they used. <laughs> uh, went into the spares, got a water temperature gauge, a water temperature sender out, plugged it into the ECU, or the, 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 the main lead, took my lighter out, heated the sensor up and the engine cracked up straight away straight <laughs> back in and she ran you know so obviously we knew we had to do that at the start the next day you know so that was done this was the um, 88 rac was it this was the 89 rac wasn't yeah. it if i'm if i'm right i think because david used it in 90 didn't he Di Llewellyn, yeah, yeah. He used it in nine, he used it in ninety and ninety one for the championship. Eighty nine and ninety, I believe. Can oh, well, okay. Well, this was eight uh, eighty eight then. Mm -hmm. I say there was so much going on. The dates just oh yeah no no disappear. Can, you know, I can well believe anyway, it. I mean, I'd, I'd I'd have to go online and look it up, you know, to see what it is. But anyway, we started the event. Um, it was obviously the Sunday run, normal Sunday run. She did six stages um, and probably about 150, uh, 150 road miles. And Jim, I think, coming out of Clumber Park, he come on the radio and he said, this engine's making an awful funny noise. 
Oh, it's, oh okay. Um, straight through my mind, Christ, we've got a crankshaft break or something, you know. I said, what's oil pressure? He said, he said, it's still six bar. So it can't be a broken crank then anyway. So I said, okay, well, come out and we'll take it down the road and we'll have a look. We had a look at it. I said, well, you know, it's knackered. We can't go any further. I'm sorry, Jim, you know, it's out of my control sort of thing, you know. Anyway, we, we got the vehicle home and just for interest sake, my interest, because it, it went back to looking at those shells on the workbench, on the blue piece of paper. I said to the lads, take the engine out, get the sump off, pull the caps off and let me have a look. Well, to my amazement, and it is my amazement, the plain shell was fitted in the block and the shell with the groove and the oil hole for the main feed was fitted in the cap. And that oh. engine oh. had done dyno testing. It had done, I think it was a day of press. It had done six stage miles, six stages, road miles, before it said, well, come on, lads. Throw a bit of oil up here to the big yeah. end. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know. That's that, incredible. You know, that, it, it got me, but, you know, to, to think that the engine went through all that before it said cry, you know. It had no right to last that long. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's amazing. <laughs> you have to have grudging respect. <laughs> and then some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, that was when the end of, well, as you say, it was 88. Um, we were given a choice <clears throat> by the factory board of either running forward, but we don't want two megs in the same workshop. Well, we said, well, we've got two workshops because we had the new workshop up Finley Road, just up the road, and we had the old workshop where they built the Toyota because we, we separated them, you know. No, we don't want that. So um, I spoke to Dave at Toyota, and he said, we were quite happy, you know, you can run both from there, but, you know. So anyway, the management decided that we would stick with Ford. So... The Toyota went to David and to uh, Phil Collins. Mm -hmm. uh, I was approached by, um, I think he's dead now, I think, Phil, one of Phil Collins' mates. He said, would you think of coming down and looking after it for David? Uh, but that would have meant really uprooting and going sort of mid-South Wales, you know, mm -hmm. rather than just travelling. So I, I, I stuck with R.E.D., you know. <clears throat> Ray, I think we, we we better try and bring this bring this show to a close. And I'm conscious it's been two hours, and <laughs> and we're, we're we're we are more than more than happy to chat. But in the interest of um, bringing it to an end somewhere, I guess we better yeah, try and wrap, wrap this up. But I'm sure we we'll talk again. I hope you can get something from it, and uh, you know people will be interested. Oh no! That, absolutely, there'll be no no fear of that, uh, Ray. No fear of that. Well, I'm, quite, I'm quite quite willing to do it again and answer questions and things. You know, one thing briefly before we do go, we've heard 
from someone this story about you operating on your own goldfish, but oh. putting, putting it in the fridge for <laughs> half an hour beforehand to slow it down. Yeah, we had we had goldfish many years ago. <laughs> no, not where anymore. Did that come, where did that come from? Uh, that's that's courtesy of Patrick O'Connor. <laughs> yeah, well, we had goldfish and we had things called blackmores, which are funny looking fish. One of the big eyes. Yeah, and one of them started to grow this weird lump on the top of its head. And it was getting bigger and bigger, and it was starting to swim sideways, and then it was swimming upside down. And I didn't particularly want to get rid of it, so I said to Brenda, the wife, so to tell you what we'll do, you know, that they do operate cryoly on things, you know. So I'll put it in... I put it in the freezer without any water, right? And I left it in there for probably maybe an hour or so. I took it out and it wasn't moving, right? As you can probably imagine, it wasn't moving. It's easy to imagine. (laughs) So I took a razor blade and I literally took the lump off its head. And there was a little bit of reddish-coloured blood there, you know. So got the brandy out, brandy on a little bit of cotton wool, and I dabbed that onto it. And I gently lowered it back into the tank. And it floated, floated, but it didn't move, right? And then within about 10 minutes, quarter of an hour, it started to move. And it swam for probably another, I don't know, two or three months. And it started to grow again. So we did the same thing. But it, unfortunately, it didn't survive. <laughs> At least you got an extra few months. Oh, I give it an extra few months. Yeah, you give, you give it a prolonged <laughs> lease of life. <laughs> oh, <right>. oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Yeah, it's been fantastic, Ray. Thank you so much. Um, a great cross section of some of some great across a great kind of period in in rallying, and you were positioned well to to see a great selection of cars and get to work on and build some amazing cars yourself. Well, it is, you know. I mean, I was uh, writing on the site last night, and I had to point out to people that somebody was sort of trying to intimate that I didn't really know what it was like to do rallying, you know, in the dark and wet conditions, you know, and I had to point out to him, well, you know, I have run four World Rally Champions and ten British Rally Champions, you know. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, you know. So, so you do know what it is like to run in the dark oh, and wet it. Right. <laughs> yeah, in the, the deep end, you know, we'd run. Yeah. We parked up in a pub car park, uh, and it was on an angle, and he wanted the gearbox doing. So he came in and it decided it was going to chuck down, you know. So unfortunately, where the car park was, there was also a bloody river coming down as well. <laughs> <laughs> So myself and Ian Best, who I have to say was one of the best mechanics who ever worked for me, Aldean. 
um, you know, we got the job done, you know. So before before we finish up then, Ray, what, what would be, if you had to pick, which was your, your favourite of all the characters you built over the years? Oh, the black one for sure. The tarmac car. You know, it's created the most interest, you know. Mm. Oh, the, the 6R4, the, the 33S4, has created a lot of interest with people who run 6R4s. Mm-hmm. But the black one certainly has created interest in, in Ireland and around the world, you know. Sure. You know, and also for um, the man who now owns it, you know, who, who retrieved it back from uh, from South Africa. Because the man your end who bought it, bought the shell, the rolling shell. Um, mm. Oh, God, what was his name? Big, thick, set lad. Used to rally. Um, no, name's gone. But the, it went to various people at your neck of the woods, and then it went to Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jason Lepley, who you've probably heard about, you know, he's doing all yeah. of his restoration stuff. Jason bought it, and he contacted me, and he said, have you got any pictures, information on the build? So I supplied him with a load of pictures that I've got, oh. all the information on the build. And he actually got Dave Wild, engine builder Dave Wild, to build him an engine for it, the same spec, you know. Brilliant. J- Jason Le- or Lepley had the Sierra for the forty Sierra as well, or he found that. Yeah, yeah, he found it. Found yeah. That, yeah, yeah, he found that too. Yeah, that chap was in touch with me as well. I okay. sent him a load of information. He he lives down Exeter, I think it was. I love that car. I'd love to see that again. Yeah, it'd be nice to see that out and about. He used to get off the line a bit rapid, I tell you, because if you. <laughs> If you held it on the handbrake and used the clutch and the throttle and pulled the boost up, the maximum six-pound boost, it went off the line like a scalded cat, you know. I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Ray, thank you so much again. Thank you, as always. Thanks everyone for for tuning in to to Rally DNA once again. Uh, Be sure to, to keep us Keep us liked and subscribed and, and turn on your notifications on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And in two weeks time, we'll be back for the final episode of this season. So please check us out in a fortnight's time. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye.